You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this exciting message from Senior Pastor Robin McMillan. Welcome, welcome. I'd like to welcome everybody. I would like to welcome Jesus this morning. How many of you will pray with me? Yes. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. We're just uh, we're so glad. Oh, thank you, Lord. We're so glad to know you. You're just the best thing that ever happened to me, Lord. That's what I know. I just want to thank you, Jesus. We just welcome you, Holy Spirit, to represent Jesus well this morning. We invite, we invite your presence to be here with us, Lord. We just acknowledge that you're here. Lord, I ask that you would, oh, how do you say it? That you would apply who you are, that you would apply who you are to us in a way we could understand and change that you would fill our hearts with who you are and it would make a difference in our lives and the lives of those people around us, Lord Jesus. That's my my prayer this morning. Amen, amen. Amen. Thank you, thank you, Lord. I just want to thank the Lord a little bit more. Thank you, Lord. You're good. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, we just enter into your gates, into your very presence with thanksgiving. Lord, the door opener, the key to everything. Thank you so much for who you are. Amen. Amen. I was uh, in a conference in Ohio this weekend, and um, a fellow said something very simple, but I thought it was very profound. Um, And the principle we're going to... We see over and over in the book of Ephesians, it's, um, we find in the book of Ephesians all that God's done for us, but then we also find Paul praying that we could see all that God's done for us. And it, there's a connection between the revelation you have of who God is and what he's done and how much of that you can benefit from and enjoy. You got to see it. You got to see it to enter into it. And so this one one uh, fellow was saying that. Um, let's say I was gonna. Uh, I'm gonna give a party. And I see Dan Malloy sitting back there, so I send Dan an invitation. And the invitation says, Dan, on such and such a date, I request your presence at 189 Sneed Road. Well, Dan wouldn't send a book. He wouldn't just send a book. For his presence to be there, Dan would need to be there. Not a Dan lookalike. Not even a Dan wannabe. But Dan, Dan Malloy, have to be there for his presence to be there. 
So we need to begin to see. And let me ask a trick question. Now it's not a trick. How many of you, how many of you uh, have felt the presence of the Lord here this morning to some degree? If his presence is here, it's because he himself is here. And if Jesus is here, the Jesus we see in the Bible, he could do anything for anybody with or without anything I have to say or do about it. Everybody with that. And so the point I want to make is if you, if you, um, if you treasure the presence and understand that you're treasuring the Lord himself, you're more apt to access that, uh, the thing he, uh, those, that which comes with the Lord. And see, the book of Ephesians is telling us all of these things that come with the Lord. But the natural mind wants the things and forget that the things are connected to the Lord. So, let me read this verse, and then we'll we'll get rolling here. And um, but thank yeah, let's just thank the Lord for what He's getting ready to do. That'll be awesome. Just now, the thing about Thanksgiving is, until you say it, you didn't give it. So thanks, it's good to actually say it. Thank you, Lord. Thank Lord, we have faith this morning that you have a great plan that's going to unfold and touch lives and. Oh, we can't even imagine what you're going to do or who you're going to do it with or for. But we're just grateful, Lord, because you're good and you know what you're doing. How many of you believe the Lord knows what he's doing? He knows what he's doing. Um, I had a hunch about something the other day the Lord was showing me. And then when it happened, do you know what I said? God, the Lord was right again. That's the way humans think. Anyway. I want to read this verse in um, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8 out of the Passion Translation. I think it's uh, really helpful. Paul said, I have been made a messenger of this wonderful news by the gift of grace that works through me. Even though I am the least significant of all his holy believers, this grace gift was imparted when the manifestation of his power came upon me. Grace alone empowers me so that I can boldly preach this wonderful message to non-Jewish people, sharing with them, and here's this great, great phrase, the unfading, inexhaustible riches of Christ, which are beyond comprehension. And so Paul knew the Lord in a very, very deep and profound way. And so what I want us to consider today is several things. First is this, in Christ, God has already provided everything we need. This is um, the idea presented in Paul's uh, epistle to the Ephesians. I've I've entitled this, Have You Seen This? And we're going to see more about that over in Ezekiel 47. But let's ask that question together. Have you seen this? Have you seen this? Um, we have to understand 
in a very profound way, there are things about the Lord, really, really good things, ideas, concepts, realities, principles that we have not seen yet in their fulfillment. Um, In Christ, God has already provided everything we need. We haven't seen all of it yet, and to access it, you need to see it by revelation, but you need to see it in your heart. How many of you took uh, two levels of driver's ed? You took the book part, and then you took, what's that second part called? Behind the wheel. You see, reading the Bible intellectually is the book part. Driver's ed, if you, they drew you a diagram of a car and said label the parts, you could say steering wheel, brakes, radio, um, trunk, heater. Um, and you can answer questions. What do you do when you see a stop sign? Stop. When you come up to a traffic light, is red, yellow, and green important? Yes. Why? You stop at red. You think about stopping at yellow, (laughs) and at green you can go, right? Then there's behind the wheel. So (laughs) I was with, uh, I took the written part twice because I flunked written part of driver's ed the first time I took it. Now, there was a reason I didn't do what they told me to do. I never answered the questions because I thought it was stupid. However... They thought it was significant, so I had to do it all over again. I answered the question, but there was a young lady in our course. She did a lot better than me on the written part, but when we got behind the wheel, there's this road uh, near South Park, and it goes like this in a very short period of time. She did better in the written part in driver's ed, but when she was doing the behind the wheel, she hit every single lane. Because what you saw in the books got to work out in reality. It's not really until you get behind the wheel that you begin to understand need or wonder about some of the things that are said in in the book. So, Paul uh, also says that God will reveal Christ to us in fullness. And I want to also say this, we have a word picture of the process in Ezekiel 47 to encourage us. But I need to make this point over and over and over because I want us to be hungry. I want us to be happy with what we have in God, but I want us to be hungry in knowing that there's so much, much more. So um, that's why I keep asking this question. Have you seen this? So Paul's letter touches um, of Ephesians touches on very significant spiritual principle, which is God has done everything for us that we need far beyond what we realize. Paul also knew that most people in the church did not have his level of insight into the mystery of the gospel and knew if they did, they would be enabled to live extraordinary lives and appreciate and love the Lord so much more. Paul actually uses this phrase about those who see what Jesus has done and those who see how much God loves us. He he says that um, here's what he expects, that 
they may be unto the praise of God's glory. Early this morning, I was thinking about this, probably four in the morning. And I was, um, I complain my way through the night sometimes. Anybody know what that means? Take nothing serious in the middle of the night. That's easy to understand now until it's the middle of the night. But as I was going through things in my mind, I felt like the Lord just said to me, when I met Jesus, I won the lottery. I just didn't realize it. How many of you have seen those people that won the lottery, but the, they never bring the ticket forward? They got this little ticket. They got When they bought this little ticket, they got this ticket because they said, my luck at numbers are 12, 17, 84, and 6. And that happened to be the million-dollar lottery lucky number. It's just they didn't know it. So they had won the lottery. They had wealth beyond their wildest imagination. Man, they were going from the trailer park to Fifth Avenue. But they didn't know it. And I feel like that's even my Christianity. The more I see, the more I hear, the more I look in the book, the more I know what can happen. I think that's true, man. It's like we won the lottery, but we never cashed in. We never laid hold of what was offered to us. And so that's what Paul's doing in this letter. He's laying out this vision of the unsearchable riches of Christ. And then he is praying these two prayers. So let's read these prayers. I think they're up there. Are they up there? Ephesians 1. Let's start reading this. Let's read it together. Look at somebody and read this to them because they really need it. Paul prayed that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and... What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places? Gosh, I read that and I think, my Christianity, what Paul just said. How many of you feel that when you read that? Is this a hoax? Is this the carrot in front of the donkey to keep us going to church? Doesn't work. No, no, no. What is this? This is the gospel. Paul has this gospel that he's willing to give his life to. I'm not sure. I think at least three times Paul was beaten. By 39 stripes, three times, at least three times, shipwrecked, day and the night in the deep, in perils of countrymen, in perils of church people, he says, in perils of wild beast. What? What was it? What, why would he do that? It's because he had this encounter with Jesus that was so profound, he had trouble putting it into words. He actually calls the book of Ephesians the things I've shared with you in a few words. And then he talks about 
um, just how good God is. Well, what we see, what we see in this first prayer is the emphasis on knowing him and being in him. That first verse, we pray that God would give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. It's about knowing, knowing him. Um, now let's read this second prayer. The second prayer I think is interesting because it has a different emphasis. Uh, this starts with Ephesians three, verse 16. Let's read this together that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened. It's an experience to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And let me stop right there. He, he, is, he is talking about more than have you asked Jesus into your heart. You understand what I'm saying? Actually, the Weiss translation, another translation of Greek, it actually says, so that Christ may feel at home in your heart. Now, that's a little bit different perspective. It's, it's, it's as much about how Jesus is received as it is about whether or not we've received him. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, you ask him in, is he happy there? Are you aware of him? Are you treating him with the respect and the dignity and the devotion and the appreciation you should? Not that he's going to leave, but I'm going to tell you something. Things can get bad enough in your life where you think he left. And that's the whole idea of him feeling at home. Now, that Christ may be only hearts through faith, that you being what? Rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, and depth, and height. And so another observation here in verse 18 there's something so profound about having a relationship with Jesus that there's something about his love that goes beyond the three-dimensional world we live in because he just talked about four dimensions. Do you see that? You might be able to comprehend the width, the length, the depth, and the height. I don't know how, you know, if you measure a block, you go width, length, depth, height. Wait a minute, where's... Where's number four? It's in this other dimension. Because this isn't talking about natural love. This is talking about supernatural love. This isn't talking about natural emotion. This is talking about the presence of power of the Spirit of God, which imparts to you something that's not natural love. It's divine. It's spiritual love. It's the love of God that if it permeates you, Deeply enough, if you comprehend it sufficiently, well, let's read verse 19. How much do we need to know the love of Christ? To know the love of Christ, which does what? Passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. If you were filled with all the fullness of God, would you live the way you're living today? And this is not a rebuke. It's just a simple question. 
Would you look more like Jesus or would you look more like you if you were filled with all the fullness of God? Well, you would look more like him. What do I mean look like him? Well, you'd just be able to do the stuff he did. You'd have the heart he had for people. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, you ready? Now to him who is able, let's, let's ease through this and let it sink in. Now to him who is able, so question number one, is God able? Paul says he is. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above, oh man, that Greek word is hyperbole. I just remembered that. Now to him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask. Have you ever thought about wanting something from God you never asked for? Well, he can do that too. Above all that we ask or think, here's a good word, according to, little phrase, according to. According to my wife, she loves me. According to the Constitution of the United States, all men are created equal. In other words, according to means what Paul is just saying is directly connected to what it is according to. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we imagine, ask or think, according to what? According to the power what power that works in heaven that works where in us you know here's what I think nah man that can't be right uh, nah what was he thinking Maybe he knows something we don't know. That's a good way to look at a lot of things in the Bible. Maybe somebody knew something we didn't know. Maybe we're not right about some of the things we think we're right about. Maybe that's why we live in the way we're living and feeling the way we're feeling and thinking the way we're thinking and doing what we're doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. No. Now to him who was able, this embarrasses me. I feel embarrassed preaching this because I need to enter into this. He's able to do exceeding, actually exceedingly should say exceeding, not Lee. But it's exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now, that's not the end of the phrase, and I think there's a key here. Comma, to him, what? Be glory, where? In the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And so I believe that there's a relationship between having that power that is within us being at work with how much 
appreciation and thanksgiving we give God for the fact that he has put within us that kind of power. Are you with me? You get in a mess, you know, and suddenly Andy talked about this last week. Your problem is bigger than God. That's impossible. But what happens is the human condition, we, and we, we do it with our mouths. We magnify our problems. I came home from the airport yesterday and I told my wife, I'm not flying anywhere anymore. My back hurts. I'm creeping. I have a hostile feeling about myself. <laughs> Not about you, sweetie. And then suddenly I realized that's just complaining. And I snapped out of it. Say snapped out of it. And my wife's eyes got big because I said, Okay, everything's good, let's go. <laughs> I just snapped out of it because I'd, I began to agree with what I have been told is in me instead of how I felt. I'm still not going to get on any other planes. <laughs> I mean, I may not, but I'll think twice. But we magnify our condition. You know, the Bible says... Um, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Think about that concept. What do you magnify? You know, if I'm looking at some things, I have to get a magnifying glass because they're so small. But God's not small. He, he, we're told to magnify him because what we're really being told is realize how big he is. You think, you think God has a problem? He can't handle or you have one he can't handle? Now, I know, you know, we all complain, but we got to realize God can do stuff. And one of the secrets, one of the secrets to the manifestation of God's um, goodness is, is really is thanksgiving. It's throwing your attention on what God has done and who God is instead of what your problems are and what your heartaches are. doesn't mean you deny them, but I mean, haven't you given them enough attention already? That's not denial. It's beginning to um, find solutions to life. I want solutions to life. So, what you see in these two prayers, um, the first one is emphasis on knowing him, but the second one is em emphasizes experiencing him, also comprehending him, but personally knowing the love of Christ that we can be filled with God. Um, and that power from God is actually at work inside of us. So I'm thinking this, at least two things. We haven't seen everything we can of God's great good news, and we haven't experienced all there is of who he is. And Jesus is to us and in us and for us way more than any or 
all of us together have experienced yet. Wouldn't you be disappointed if your experience of Jesus was the maximum so far? I would be. I would be. I really would be. Um, okay, now, I want us to look at Ezekiel 47. Now, Ezekiel 47, um, in the preceding chapters, the prophet Ezekiel is taken to the temple by the Lord. And for two or three chapters, he measures everything. He measures, it says 39 times he measured. And so he is measuring every single dimension of every single part of that temple. And here's what it is. Jesus is the temple. Do you understand that? We're part of the body of Christ. That's the house of God. That's the temple. And so the measuring of that temple in the Old Testament is just a word picture. And the fact that he measured and he measured and he measured and he measured and he measured is what Jesus' life was like when he came. Because if there were not a lamb without spot or blemish or any such thing, the sacrifice would not have been effective. Jesus never sinned. But don't you know, when you read through the, through the New Testament, they watched his every move. They criticized all that he did. They measured him. Does this lamb have a spot? Where's his weak point? How can we get to him? How can we cause him to stumble? And so there's that old covenant or that Old Testament picture of even, even through this measuring of the temple, the Lord Jesus. Um, now, um, in verse 1 of chapter 47, and let's, let's read this because something very interesting happened. While Ezekiel was measuring that temple, every single dimension, he failed to see that water was leaking out of the building. He measured every single part of it. That would, that would be like us having a major plumbing leak that um, within a short period of time, and we're going to see this, it became a river too large to cross. Don't you think if you had measured that building, you should have spotted that? But guess what? He didn't see it. Say that. He didn't see it. It was there. He didn't see it. Here's a wonderful truth. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Who can apply that to your current situation? Just because you can't see it, what God needs to do for you, doesn't mean it's not there. So verse 1, so Jesus is taking, uh, let's say Jesus is taking Ezekiel through this whole process in chapter 47. When I say, then he brought me back, let's say, then Jesus, let's read this, brought me back to the door of the temple. And what was there? There was water. You don't have to read it. I'll read it, but you can listen. Flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the front of the temple faced east, and the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south of the altar. Verse number two, listen to this phrase. He brought me out. Let's say that together. 
He brought me out. He brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, so there's another fellow measuring all this, he measured 1,000 cubits and he did what? So verse 2 says he brought me out. Verse 3 says he brought me through. So if you're being brought through the waters and the next part of the verse, and the water came up to my ankles, are your shoes wet? Let me ask that question. Yes. Yes. But he brought you through. He brought me through ankle-deep water. Okay, verse 4. Again, he measured 1,000, and what did he do? He brought me through the waters. The water came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through. The water came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep. Water in which one must do what? Swim. So... Jesus and Ezekiel were walking in what was ankle-deep water together. Then they were up to their knees. Then he brought him through, and they're up to their waist. Then he brought him through, and what were they doing? They were swimming. So they're swimming together, doing the breaststroke, or Jesus is doing the Australian crawl, and Ezekiel's doing the backstroke, and they're enjoying this river, maybe. Okay, verse 6. Who's ready for verse 6? So they're in this pool. They're in this river. They're in this water. They're all wet. And Jesus said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Does that make any sense? No. No. That make any sense. So after all the water, the wetness, the swimming, the mystery, the river, all that came from a little leak in the temple, the Lord says, have you seen this? You know what my answer would be? Anytime the Lord asked me a question. I would have two answers. No, I have no idea. Or you know. You know. Son of man, have you seen this? So Ezekiel did an exhaustive study of the whole temple structure. 39 times he measured that temple, but somehow he didn't see what was there. He didn't see that the water was flowing out the front door. The further it flowed, the deeper it got. Ezekiel and Jesus walked through the flowing water. They swam through the water. First, it was ankle deep. It took a, th- the water was, went a third of a mile, ankle deep. <clears throat> One commentator said the river was not something for Ezekiel to simply look at or think about. It was something for him to enter into. A lot of people want to know about something, but they don't want to get in it. They want to hear about something, but don't want to get in it. And then we find this phrase over and over again, he brought me through. He brought me through. The water was knee deep, waist deep, 
each point along the way. Ezekiel was in the river as deep as it could be until at a given point the river was deeper than he was. And I like this idea that God brought him through. Ezekiel did not take himself. God brought him. You know, one of the things I think we fail to recognize we talk about personal responsibility, but there's another side to the Christian life is this. God's going to get you where he wants you to go, whether you know it or not. I think I have to, I've seen that too many times in my life. We don't have to do everything right to be right. We're not. God factored in our stupidity when he picked our destiny, right? He had to. He's smart. He knows. He knew you're going to make the wrong choice, but he can still get you to the right place at the exact right time. Even if that time only happens between two particular seconds every hundred years, he can get you there. And that's what happened to me. And I'm not going to talk about it because everybody glazes over, but he can get you right where he wants you to be. And you not even be aware that you were supposed to be there, that there was a timing involved. But if you hadn't have been there, you'd have missed a major episode in the rest of your life. And he gets you there. He brought me through. And here's the other thing. Every time we get into trouble, it might be ankle deep trouble. God will bring us through. Oh man, when I was young, ankle deep problems were terrible. Ankle deep problems now don't even register. <laughs> Knee deep problems. I'm aware that they're there because over and over, he has what? Brought me. Brought me, not you, brought me. Adam's first day was the seventh day. He woke up, raring to go. He said, Lord, what do you want to do today? And God said, nothing. Sometimes he won't bring us through till we've given up. Or as Sandy would say, a higher-minded concept of giving up is surrender. Surrender. He brought me through. Oh, then there's that waist deep. Mm. That gets a little more personal. He brought me through. Then there's water to swim in. Man, you're drowning. You are thinking there is no... There is no, no, no way out. I'm a dead man. Everything's gone. I can't think straight. I've been in a place like that before. I was in so much turmoil. Gosh, just my brain just fried. Panic attacks. Bills to pay. Bosses to please. Kids to love, wife to care for. And I was so troubled. And the Lord said to me, and this was so wonderful, he said, uh, what's, what's the matter? And I said, I think I'm going to lose my mind. I did. He said, no, nah, I won't let you. 
He won't let me. That was a novel idea. Maybe there's more to this losing my mind than I realized. Maybe someone else has a say in it. It's not just about how I've wrecked my life or made my bad choices or didn't get over my bitternesses or lived in this perpetual state of frustration. He brought me through. The river was too wide to cross. Then the Lord said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Well, if you read the rest of Ezekiel, um, he really hadn't seen, first of all, here's why I believe he had not really seen that, because it wasn't about that temple. It was about a person. And it wasn't just about a natural river. It was about a spiritual river. And when Jesus died to make sure he was dead, a soldier stabbed him in the ribs and two things came out, blood and water. And to me, there's a, there's a point, that little initial stream that came from the side of Jesus was being referenced when that little stream came out of that temple here in Ezekiel 47. And because Jesus died, that stream started, and when he went back to heaven and he sent back the Spirit, he sent back that river that we see in the book of Ezekiel. It's not just a river of trouble he brings us through, but it's progressive revelation on his goodness and his kindness and his mercy and his deliverance and his hugeness and his care. Because the rest of Ezekiel says wherever that river goes, everybody gets healed. Wherever that river goes, everybody gets a new life. Have we seen it that that river has been so wonderful that how many of you have not gotten healed besides me? Yeah. You know, because there's more. There's more. There's more to this Jesus than we imagined. Um. I really love that phrase, the unsearchable riches of Christ that we saw in Ephesians 3.8. I want to read that again. To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ or the unfading, inexhaustible riches of Christ, which are beyond, beyond comprehension. I had this idea this morning that we have unresolved problems means that we have undiscovered solutions. When I think about that book I wrote on hope, you know, I write a book on hope and then I need some hope myself. Isn't that the way it works? Tell the world, tell the world, write the book, be the man, and then wake up one morning and feel hopeless yourself. Hey, that's just life. That's just the way it works. So what? I read the book. I started practicing it all over again. <laughs> but hope, hope is 2020 night vision. That's what hope is. Hope is the capacity to see through the dark. Hope is spiritual oxygen. 
Hope is really more important than faith. And I know I could start a huge argument, but the Bible says plainly, faith is the substance of, so it has a source, substance of things hoped for. And so it's much more important that you maintain a hope-filled disposition than that you are bristling with, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm blessed and highly favored. None of that stuff works unless you really believe it anyway. You're just yakking. You're just parroting Bible. You know, you just want to smack people that do that sometimes. But then you run into that person where when they say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you go, ooh, man, then you touch substance. I mean, you know, they have been through this. And because of that, they prevailed. And see, that's what hope does. And see, when I say things like that, we have unresolved problems means that we have undiscovered solutions in Christ is a hope mentality. That's the way we need to look at life. We can't look at life the way the society tells us to look at life. We have to look at it differently. We have to look at it from a place of a renewed mind. We have to look at it from the place of when I got saved, I won the lottery. I just need to discover where the bank is to cash in. I need to realize that when I met Jesus, I got justified. I got delivered. I got redeemed. I got healed. I got translated from the kingdom of darkness in one second in time into the kingdom of the son of the God's own heart-filled love that when I was yet a sinner and Christ died for me while I was yet ungodly, he proclaimed me through some supernatural act involving Christ Jesus 2,000 years ago that registered in my account as faith and justification and acceptance and holiness and prosperity and healing and sanctification And I was made holy when I was not holy because of something someone else did. That we have unresolved problems means we have just undiscovered solutions. That's the only way to look at it. Here's a great phrase. God's got this. What's your this? Anybody got a this? Anybody got of this? Well, God's got that. God, God's got this. Now, it's easy for me to say I'm up here all excited. I got some thises, though. But what am I going to do? What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Let's go get a different religion, maybe. Well, I, there's some truth to that. Some of what we believe ain't working. We need to figure out why. That's just, that's just reality. But God's ultimate purpose is that Everybody be so touched by his life that you have an amazing life, that you have an amazing life. We need a vision for that. Now, that can be a little frustrating, but it can also give us hope to realize there's more to this than I've seen. How many of you need to know that? There's more to this than I've understood. If a man can be swimming in a river and God say to him, have you seen this? And he hadn't really seen it. There must be more to it than he knew. When I was in the uh, Presbyterian church, and I don't remember them ever talking much about the Holy Spirit. And um, 
I had an encounter with the Lord that involved the Holy Spirit. My parents did not know what to do with me because they hadn't seen what I saw. Now, I was pretty obnoxious with the whole thing, quite frankly, which is what happens, you know. But I saw there's more. Gosh, there's more. I remember going to that old Presbyterian church and thinking, I don't, I don't get this. Now, people can feel that about here. I hope you do feel that about here in the sense that you begin to realize we don't have it all. There's more so that we can get hungry, that we can get hungry for this more. Um, in John seven thirty seven, and I'll close with this. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So, um, why don't we stand up together and I'll pray. And, um, Brandy, we still have the 1215, 1210. Okay. We've got about three or four more minutes before you pick up your kids, but let's, let's ask the Lord to reveal himself to us more. How many of you want to do that this morning? Oh Lord, that's our prayer. We pray what Paul prayed. Show us Jesus, Lord, in all his fullness. We want to comprehend in our heart of hearts the love of God that has a width and a depth and a height and a length that we have not fully encountered because we want to be full of God and represent God accurately to the world and have a great life and have others around us be able to experience that kind of life too. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.